Good morning. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Monday. It is Mental Health Monday. Looking forward yes, to chatting is. with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman this Monday morning <laughs> uh, after a, what, it was a busy weekend, it sounds like, uh, for, well, I know it was for me. We had some some fun pool time for the family. Got out, maybe got a little too much sun. Sarah got uh, too much of something, it sounds like. Too much sunblock. <laughs> My body doesn't like sunblock. Yes, I went, out to, I, I went outside quite a you bit. You went outside. That's a good thing. Being outside is good. Hey, it's it, it, that's good for our mental health, right? Right. So it is. <laughs> it is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman here in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. It is time to check in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman for Mental Health Monday. Good morning, Heidi. Good morning. Yeah, I'm excited for our series on trust, and we're going to continue that today. Trust. Why is and and I think Sarah jokingly said something about a virtual trust fall. Maybe that was just in the notes last time. <laughs> I um, did. <laughs> we're we're not doing a virtual trust. Do not fall today. sign me up for that. Yes, I don't even know <laughs> how you would do that. <laughs> you know, I think that I'm opposed to all trust falls, I've decided. Like, that's so funny because it does have to do with our topic. Um, and that's a that was a pretty common thing. I feel like when you and I were, you know, yes. going to like confirmation camp or, um, you know, whatever, summer camp or even I remember in my public school, we had like a sixth grade retreat, you know, mm -hmm. and had to do the trust fall. And that's like the worst thing to ask of a middle schooler, I feel like, like that's completely outside the lines of healthy development, maybe that we ask them to do that. And so, yeah, I think maybe that's something to consider. Like, why is that such a bad idea as we talk about trust today? <laughs> so how is how is trust a part of mental health? What role does it play in our mental health? Let's should we start with that? Yeah, I think that's a good uh, question. And, you know, I really think of it like an essential multivitamin. And I, I think I label maybe too many things this way. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, multivitamins are made up of a lot of different things, right? And we all need uh, these certain daily things or uh, regular things, if you will, in order to support our mental health. And so connection is one of those and trust is highly related to that. And when we talk about trust, we're going to talk about the concept of attachment and we'll get into that today and there's a podcast for people interested too with uh, reverend dr justin hanneman who is with grace point relational health and he is a you know really really knows his stuff on attachment it's part of his doctoral work through slu um st louis university and so i would reference that also to go over to heidigaiman.com and check out what he has to say about attachment and its relationship to trust because that'll help you understand the whole kind of essentialness of it if you will um but when we look at trust we're really looking at this sense of safety that we have in relationship um and i really think of it like scaffolding you know it's like 
the infrastructure of our mental health. Our mental health without a sense of safety breaks down really quickly. Um, we see in, in children and adults both, there's a resilience, right? God has made our bodies, our hearts, and our minds to be resilient. And so we can uh, struggle through a lot of things and still have some healthy mental health. However, we know that when there's instances of abuse um, and traumas, that those are going to break down not only our uh, relationships, but also our sense of safety, which then greatly impacts our mental health. And we're starting just now to understand the very basics of that going into our DNA even and kinking our DNA and changing its structure a little bit. And so that impacts mental health for generations uh, to come. So that's kind of a wild idea. Uh, but just knowing that uh, trust foundationally as Christians, we can always understand that it comes from God. Uh, our sense of safety, our true sense of safety in this world comes from God. However, he made us to be relational beings. And so you and I are in relationship and we have caregivers who God has entrusted with our care and they will mess up right? They won't be perfect. Uh, but we are given this sense of safety from those early relationships. We're given our very basics of how we understand God from those early relationships. And so we begin then from those early relationships to make other relationships in our life and have an understanding of whether people are going to be there for us or not there for us. And you can start to see as we talk about that, how that would greatly impact our mental and emotional well-being and how we respond to people in relationship uh, with anxiety or with kindness and affection, whether that feels safe or not safe. So um, just looking at like trust as a foundation from God alone. And that's one reason, again, another good reason we want to tell people about Jesus, because people will always disappoint. Um, and so you can see how if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have God in your life, then it's really hard to have that foundation and be able to build real solid relationships um, without that scaffolding, if you will. So any thoughts on that before we go on, you guys? As you're talking about trust and, and Jesus being our ultimate trust, of course, I'm thinking of all of the hymns <laughs> that we sing <laughs> in the hymnal that have to do with trust and uh, and and these descriptive words that, that we're talking about that also show up in a lot of these hymns about uh, being being our safekeeping and our rock and our stronghold and all, mm -hmm. all of these things that we find throughout scripture, but also in our hymnody and, and in the way that we express our faith uh, in our in our devotions and when we're just when we're doing things on our own, too. I think mm -hmm. Sarah's yeah, implying that's that thing. hymns are good for our mental health is what Sarah's yes. trying to imply. <laughs> and you know, I mean, there is like neurons in our brain need to connect ideas. And the stronger those connections are, the easier they are to believe, right? So if I'm singing, I am trusting the Lord Jesus, and that's part of the rhythm of my day or my week, or even I hear it once a year, that's written on my brain. And that mm -hmm. can do a lot of work when life has brought us stuff 
that makes it hard to trust God, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. even our attachment to God can be uh, disrupted from our mental health standpoint, right? It can be really hard to endure some spiritual traumas, to go through things where we didn't have a sense of trust and safety, and then have that healed. The beauty is our attachment with God from his standpoint is never disrupted in Christ, that he is always holding us in his arms. And so sometimes I just need to have that reminder of who he is when I don't feel it, you know, and that's one thing that hymns and um, those repeated liturgies and mm -hmm. uh, scripture, reading scripture, that's what that does for us is puts that into our lives when we find it hard to believe, find it hard to believe. So here's a little bit of a way to understand this attachment trust relationship, if you will, and the scaffolding that it creates for us. So this is my Andy and Sarah question for the day. <laughs> isn't therapy, but I like to have an interesting question for Andy and Sarah and our listeners can consider for themselves. Did you ever have a nightmare when you were little? And, and if you can kind of consider that, like having a nightmare when you were little, what did it feel like when you woke up and where did you turn to? How did you find some relief? Andy? Yes, I did. And one was even a <laughs> recurring nightmare. Um, <laughs> kept coming back and it was really funny when like it came back later on year like years mm. like decades later as an adult <laughs> but that will happen uh, it, yep it, 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 then it was almost kind of funny because i recall like i remembered it being a nightmare as a child and it was it was kind of frightening and i don't know you know not really sure where it comes from but um mm -hmm. you know was it frightening yes but I think once I woke up and realized that it was a nightmare, um, it, that calmed me down just waking mm -hmm. up and realizing it was a nightmare. I never really struggled with nightmares, like leaving me so uneasy that, that I couldn't go back to sleep really. But yeah. I just like to sleep. Yeah. So did you put yourself back to sleep or did <laughs> yeah. you go find help? Yeah. You did. Yeah. Wow. Andy, you are like a strong independent no. team. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, to point out that like one of the reasons you can do that is because like as a small child, you know that there's someone else to keep you safe right. too. Yeah. you know, no matter what, even if our children are putting themselves back to bed, which is like the best. Thank you, child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there is a sense of security there for them that comes from something. Sure, um, sure. And, and I that felt, usually has to do with relationship. As a child, I felt safe and secure in my mm -hmm. home. I, I knew that my parents were just, you know, you know, across the hall in another room mm -hmm. and um, e everything was quiet in the house. So, yeah, I, I felt safe and secure in in that house that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. How about you, Sarah? Well, I am the opposite. Um, I am the child that had nightmares generally about tornadoes, and uh, I would definitely end up in my parents bed mm -hmm. frequently. <laughs> Right. And I still have those nightmares, which is great. They mm -hmm. just like change. Um, or I would end up like yelling for my parents and my mom would have to come and mm. sit with me until I would fall asleep. I remember this very vividly too. <laughs> right. Yeah. Usually that's one reason I asked the question is because usually for all of us, there's some sense of some nightmare we had sometime that's still kind of vivid or it does not even that we remember the content, but the sensation of having it is pretty mm -hmm. vivid mm -hmm. for us and our bodies. We kind of hold that. Um, and so there's this place that we can understand that we were in need in that moment. We needed something or someone to come to our aid, to put 
put our trust in really. Um, and so I remember being a kid and, and I did the same thing, yelling from mom, you know, dad, <laughs> um, or going to their room and, and scaring my mom half to death, you know, like mm-hmm. waking her up, yep. standing creepily by her bed. Like that sounds funny. <laughs> um, but there's a place for relief for us. So imagine if a, a child, no matter the age, but especially really young, has an experience with a nightmare and doesn't have a place to turn, you know, doesn't feel safe. Those kinds of things uh, really stick in our body and make it really difficult, not just to trust cognitively. You know, we grow up cognitively and we learn that there are people who are trustworthy and people who aren't. But in reality, very important to understand that that sense of safety is um, in many ways, we we can do some things to change it, but in many ways, it's also pretty passive. It's part of our visceral experiences in our spine and in our brain that sends signals and tells us whether we're safe or not. Um, and so there's therapies and things to help us with that, but it is pretty normal for uh, you know each of us to have a, a varying degree of struggle with trust um, because of that, because we live in a broken world. Um, and even our awesome parents you know, maybe fail mm-hmm. to come through with us for us uh, a few times in our early life. And we will also do that as parents. It's one reason, again, we just turn to Christ. You know, we always need his forgiveness and his love pouring into our lives, in our relationships with others and in the relationships we bring to other people. So it looks like it's, is it time for a break? Oh, yes. Am I... I know. I'm always rubbing up against <laughs> no, the break, I feel like. <laughs> good points, good points. And we'll continue our conversation about trust and mental health here on Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. This is Pastor Mark Azil, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at kfuo.org. Learn more about LCMSU at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO. Hello, this is Dr. Dale Meyer. Have you heard Concordia Seminary's program, Word and Work and Intersection? Every week, you can hear it on KFUO Thursdays at 2 p.m. Central Time. We visit with many interesting guests about how the Word of God applies to their daily vocations and ministries. Be sure to tune in, and may the intersection of Word and Work be busy on your corner. How do we love our neighbor on the internet? Why are the creeds so important? What does it mean to practice Christian hospitality? Questions like these are answered in every edition of The Lutheran Witness, the monthly magazine of the LCMS. The Lutheran Witness can help you interpret the world from a Lutheran Christian perspective by providing reliable, biblical reflections on the issues that you care about the most. Get your free issue at cph.org witness. That's cph.org witness.
This week on Issues Etc., we'll get a biography of 17th century Lutheran theologian Johann Gerhardt from Dr. Glenn Fluge. We'll have Dr. Kevin Golden lead us in a teaching on Old Testament Judge Samuel, and we'll continue our series, The Words of Scripture, with Pastor Will Whedon. Issues Etc., live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Mental Health Monday. We're checking in with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman in our series on trust. And we, we I think, just shared our like worst nightmares as children. So uh, apparently we trust you. You are we welcome. Trust you. <laughs> we trust you. This is why people don't want to go to therapy, right? They're like, oh, I'm just going to ask me about those nightmares. <laughs> Where do we want to go next with trust? Yeah, I think it's a good time to bring in that acronym that we talked about in our last Mental Health Monday episode that comes from Brene Brown's research. You know, understand that we don't subscribe to everything that she says, uh, but she is a researcher. And so there's some useful work in psychology and sociology that helps us really inform uh, the way people actually gather a sense of trust, uh, things that help develop that. And like I said, on my website, I present a couple of definitions of trust. One that is more of a, a noun, that sense that we have that's more passive, that comes from those early relationships and things like that throughout our life and our relationship with God. And then there's this active idea of trust that's more of a verb. How can we go after trust, if you will, and build that in our lives? And how do we build it in our relationships and give it to other people, that sense of trust. And so this acronym helps us to see uh, through thousands of research participants, the things that they identified that really brought trust into their lives. And next week, we'll hear from some of our own listeners, uh, ways that they uh, have had trust built into their life in relationships. And so that's, uh, I think, a fun way to interact. Um, so she has BRAVING is the acronym, and it's boundaries, reliability, accountability, the vault, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. And so when we look at this, you can see how each of those things greatly impact our mental health on their own. But when you put them together, that's where we get that sense of trust, if you will. So, uh, you know, how do boundaries help us develop a sense of trust? I think that's a really important one because I think so often we're mistaken, and I'm not sure this is conscious, but unconsciously mistaken that trust equals less boundaries, you know, like blind trust is the thing we're going for in relationships where we can just freely trust everyone. Uh, that is not true in a broken world. Uh, that is not healthy in a broken world. And so knowing that, in fact, we live post-Genesis 3 uh, is a really important life fact and that God built things for us to be able to endure and to, to thrive in a world post-Genesis 3 and the fall into sin. And so it's good to have boundaries. God has boundaries with us, correct? He created the Ten Commandments. He knew we would need them. Um, and so inviting boundaries into our relationships um, that are appropriate for each of those relationships, just kind of considering what boundaries are needed, that's really healthy for both our mental health and our sense of trust. Um, you know, reliability is the same way 
I like to think of reliability as showing up. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. You're going to show up for me. So I don't show up at 9am for this radio broadcast and Andy and Sarah bail, right? That's, <laughs> there's no reliability in that relationship. I in fact have accidentally done that to them occasionally. <laughs> um, whoops. <laughs> so, you know, but at the same time, that's very infrequent. So there's still reliability in the relationship. Reliability doesn't mean that there's no forgiveness. You know, there's no uh, confession and and overcoming those things. Um, and so I think you can start to see as you work through that acronym, how some of those things really show up, especially in our mental health. So just two more real fast is integrity. Integrity is that strong sense of character, which really internally is like, I know who I am. And I think if I asked either one of you, who are you? You would probably respond with one thing first, uh, because we're taught it from the cradle as Lutherans, that we are mm -hmm. first and foremost children of God, right? That is our identity and everything else is built on that. I want to know those other things about you, but I think, um, when we are in relationship with people who strongly know that that's the firmness of their identity, there is a greater sense of safety. You know, we're not always trying to, uh, you know, help them figure out who they are at that base place so we can support one another more easily um, and help each other work toward goals and things like that. Um, that doesn't mean that we'll always like understand that or live in that. But at the same time, there is a a place of mental health, I believe, when we have that foundation to say, I'm a child of God, and then things grow out of that. You know, I am a, I love psychology. And there's these other things about who I am that are kind of vocationally related or just personality related. But there's something at the bottom that keeps both of us feeling pretty safe because it's stable. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I was in high school, actually, my one of my religion teachers uh, drilled into our heads, which is a terrible way to say it, but uh, and it, it, still, it still sticks with me. He would always say, you are baptized. You are a baptized child of God full of potential. And I still actually have a phone reminder that goes off every week mm -hmm. on my phone to remind me of that because I, I get to a certain point in my week and it's like, I need a reminder <laughs> that mm -hmm. this is the foundation of everything else. That's awesome. And that is really healing. So there are a lot of people that we're going to encounter in our lives. Um, and, and Justin Hanneman in the podcast that we did that's on the website, he said there in life, we have attachment relationships, and then there's every other relationship. And I thought that was really interesting. And so God offers different people throughout our lifespan, who are these really strong, secure attachment relationships, so that we can go have other relationships. Not every Everyone will offer that to us, right? Not everyone will be the person who knows our language of trust, who knows how to help us develop it. But God will put people in our lives to help us um, really uh, overcome maybe some of the stuff that happened when we were kids. You know, we all have stuff, like even in really wonderful families. Let's just normalize that. Um, and so this, this is that place of healing, which, um, and I do want to mention uh, before we move on to this kind of question about healing, because I think that's a good one, Sarah, like how has God made us to heal from the struggles that come with attachment, just being in relationship that's that's um, 
includes trust. That's uh, really foundational for us because people do struggle. Uh, but I want to mention one more thing in the acronym that I think is connected, and that's non-judgment. You know, have you ever been in a relationship that you thought was full of trust, that you thought gave you that sense of safety, and then judgment crashes in? And I'm not talking about God's perfect judgment, right? I'm talking about opinions and judgment that's outside of God's uh, care and concern for us. Um, and so there's a difference between accountability. Accountability is in the acronym earlier, but this we're talking about non-judgment. So if I bring something to you, I'm going to need that to be a place of non-judgment. So the question is then, how is how is that healing? You know, what does a relationship look like? How does non-judgment build trust? Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I know we only have a couple minutes left. Hmm. Boy, I don't know if I have any great insights on this. How does non-judgment <laughs> build trust? Uh, well, I, I, I guess it gives you it, it, it gives you freedom to to speak mm -hmm. openly or to act openly if you sense that there isn't going to be any judgment. Um, mm -hmm. Right. That, that you're not concerned about what you say or do as much if you're not worried about there being judgment. Yeah, and, and you can see how, again, the, the net, the safety net of Christ changes this because there's always forgiveness. So I'm allowed to make tons of mistakes. This really impacts how we interact in our church body even because I can be even wrong about doctrine and, and there's accountability for that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, there's this sense of non-judgment where I can say something and be wrong and you'll hold me accountable but there's not this sense of doom and judgment that comes in because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That's a place of trust that we want to be in, in all of our systems, whether in a family, in a marriage, in uh, a work relationship, and especially in the body of Christ. So I think God made, and this is, goes into the healing the body of Christ to be a healing place because he knew that families wouldn't always give us what we needed you know, I think that's really part of his design. And so Psalm 62, 8 says, trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is our refuge for us. So he's our refuge and strength, our ever-present help in time of trouble. And so we can lean into God when people disappoint us, but he also gives us more. He gives us the people of God. Are they going to mess up? Yes, they are. Uh, but knowing that there is this this bigger family for us really helps change the shape of where we think we can go to get what we need for trust. Uh, we can turn to those closest to us by blood, but we also have this greater idea that is the people of God to turn to. And so just, I encourage the listener, know that there's different therapies that can help with this, but also know that God himself is working and active. Uh, if you've had that trust with him broken, know that he is um, there to also give a new sense of trust. You know, his mercies are new every morning. And so if anyone has questions on this, you know, feel free to send them in. I think um, this isn't therapy, so we can't do therapy with you, but we can offer, <laughs> you know, maybe some insights as we go on in our next two episodes to come the rest of the month too. Very good. Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Heidi, always good to chat with you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth.
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.